once again to Central F Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and as always, I am pleased and I'm honored to be your host and your commentator for another of our commentary shows, one of the shows that we have up on air and online, but mostly online. The on-air is its kind of like on-air. That's what the radio loop is. But in any event, however you pick us up, the way that most people might pick us up would be by going to the homepage of our website at www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com, or find us wherever you find your podcasts. On our homepage, you get that option to go with either the podcast, or pick us up on the radio loop. You know what it's all about, and if you don't, you'll find out quickly enough when you get there to www.centerlefttalkradio.com. If you were watching, if if you were on Earth yesterday evening, Eastern time here in New York, uh, you may have you may have realized that there was, hopefully it got back to you, no matter where you were watching, but at roughly about, I'd say, five five o'clock in the evening, give or take, at five o'clock in the evening, Nicole Wallace did an interview on MSNBC, the likes of which I have never run across before. She interviewed the former uh, Prime Minister of Australia. That would be Malcolm Turnbull. Uh, He was in office at the time when Trump first went into office in the beginning of 2017 after the election of 2016. And Turnbull had been making statements, uh, he had made a statement from Australia, uh, I'm, I'm, and I'm not sure what prompted the statement. I'm not sure if there was an event. I'm not sure if it had to do with some national holiday, if there was some national discussion group. Just keep in mind that he is not the current Prime Minister of Australia. Therefore, I, I suppose technically, Anything he's saying, he's not saying on behalf of the Australian government officially, but neither is he attempting to get out a message that is Australian in source, but no one should know where it's coming from, and it should only influence you. No, this is Malcolm Turnbull, former Prime Minister of Australia, on air, with Nicole Wallace, and, and, and I could play what would, would be about a 20, oh no, no, I'd say it was about maybe a 12 or 14 minute segment that she did with him, but I will paraphrase the essence of what Malcolm Turnbull, former Prime Minister of the state of Australia, of, of the nation of Australia, and it's, many, it's several states, uh, said on air, in his own mouth, in person, not via some, uh, some Russian bot trying to influence people on the internet. It was said straight up front. And what he said, in essence, was that Australia 
and the people of many nations in Europe and anywhere that there is democracy, certainly the larger democracies. He was talking about the G, whatever the number is that follows G these days, the G20, the G, whatever, you know, whichever particular group, but the major nation states of the world on the dem democratic side of the ledger who tend to work together on things were basically beyond concerned, beyond frightened about the possibility of Donald Trump coming back into office in America. Why? More than anything else, because they had all witnessed who this guy was up close and personal. I will explain. He said that they had watched him in particular. He had watched Trump in particular back in a conference in, I believe it was in Germany, uh, and it was one of the G conferences, and that both Trump and, I believe at that time, pre-invading Ukraine, uh, Putin, Vladimir Putin, happened to be there as well. And that was the first of the conferences where it was becoming incredibly apparent how enamored Donald was of Putin and how strongly he felt about him. When he first, for the first time, openly uh, dissed and openly basically was insulting to and distancing himself from and avoiding and doing everything to prove that he didn't like Angela Merkel, but he absolutely was enamored of Vladimir Putin. Now, it was a later conference, the, it was in Helsinki, uh, where basically when asked uh, whether or not uh, Putin had uh, whatever he had done and if he was lying about everything in the election and everything and is influencing the election, he said, well, you know, uh, you're, you're, you're the, uh, the reporter who actually at the time was an American reporter, uh, wait, the, 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 the host of uh, one of the MSNBC shows who was there reporting at the time uh, said, uh, asked him the question, he said, do you, your, your, your own, the American uh, intelligence agencies have said that Mr. Putin was directly involved in sponsoring uh, false information on your behalf during the election you're sitting next to the guy who did that according to your American sources. Do you believe your own sources? In essence, was the, was the question. And um, the answer came back, well, he says, Putin says, that he didn't do it. And I've spoken to him one-on-one, -on -one, and I have no reason not to believe him. That was somewhere around 2018, I imagine, that it happened. And what Malcolm... What, what Malcolm Trumbull was saying last night, Turnbull, I'm sorry, was saying last night was, Donald Trump is the head of a cult. I believe he used that word. And essentially, the people following him, at least the people currently in power, and he was referring to uh, the, the House of Representatives primarily in the United States, are no longer pro-democracy. They are against the democratic institution that they serve. They are against democratic principles. 
This is a former prime minister of the nation of Australia telling the American people, telling the world, that a major component of the American government is actively anti-democratic. This, 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 this isn't a Russian bot. This, this isn't some, some contrived, weird website uh, that basically pops up and says that we know something that no one else knows. No, this is the former Australian prime minister saying straight out that the American Congress, as it is being currently controlled by MAGAists, is anti-democratic, not anti-democratic party, anti-democracy, and is working basically to basically keep democracy away from America. And that concerns us deeply. The us, according to Mr. Trumbull, Turnbull, being the rest of the civilized, or the non-Eastern uh, non aligned, the non-Russia slash China slash Hungary aligned type world. Anyone who basically would be affiliated, let's say, with NATO, or different, or CETO, if, if that were still uh, if, in that situation, operative, any, any other organization, any other group, it recognized that there are different sides to the, to the story here and that there are bad guys and that all of NATO and, 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 and Australia and Japan and parts of South Asia as well recognize that they are different from Russia and China that there are things that Russia and China do that are very, very bad and not in the interest of the United States. This is the former Australian prime minister telling the American people on Nicole Wallace's show, look out for these people. They're out to sink your democracy. Now think about that. We are being told by a noted, former in this case, but a noted world leader, former leader of a major democratic partner of ours, not, not in party, in, in democracy-embracing party, that your democracy is in danger right now. And in fact, it may not be in whole form as we speak. Why? Because a major component of your government is working against democracy, is trying to stop democracy, is trying to prevent it from being part of what America is. They have a different non-democratic agenda. They're taking the country as you know it, as a, demo, as a country rooted, founded, and governed by a democratic set of principles. They're taking that down. They don't want it. It's not what they're about. They want a different form of power. They want Donald. And the, way, and the reason they want Donald is because they are enamored of his authoritarian tendencies. This is what Malcolm Turnbull is seeing, saw, 
is seeing again now and fears because, because what happens here, you see, if Donald were to come in and do, and, and Turnbull made such a strong point of this, just go by what the SOB has been saying. He wants to have revenge. He's going to clear out this department, that department. There will be only loyalists. No one will be able to do anything except what he wants in the way he wants it. Forget about free and fair elections. This has to affect elections. He wants to destroy NATO. He wants to take NATO apart. What makes that so frightening to the rest of the world is that alliances and, 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 and economic structures that are so and have been so dependent on the leadership of the United States can no longer be depended upon because Donald, just like he did with the Paris Accords on climate, just like he threatened to do on NATO but was stopped just in time, he will basically isolate America, not for the sake of some political or cultural or 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 uh, uh, conceptual reason, not because he has a world vision. Of, no, because it's advantageous to Donald. And it's advantageous when you are an authoritarian, you know, when you're an authoritarian figure to basically do things tough, mean, nasty, and everybody goes, great, tough, mean, nasty. But in the end, it's simply what benefits Donald. I don't want these people there. If, if they don't pay their dues, Russia, go ahead, take them out. And then all of the economic things, all of the, all of the international military protection things, all of the defense possible, it all crumbles because Donald glibly wants to be a mafia Don. And he wants to do that from the White House of the United States. And he wants to do it and he'll be pro and he'll be getting even with anybody who's ever attempted to bring him to justice. And he will get even with people who have brought him to justice and he'll either pardon himself or make life miserable for everybody else. And he will overlook not care about anything that has to do anything other than the things that affect him directly. Malcolm Turnbull, former Prime Minister of the nation of Australia, is telling the American people, and he said it far more eloquently than I can say it right now. Like I say, I could have played it's about a, it was about a 12, 15 minute interview. He is saying precisely what I'm saying. He held nothing back. Now he sees it. He understands what the danger is. And the bigger danger is that maybe 25, 30% of the American people, but rabid Donald fans who will go out and try to vote for the guy and everything, they just don't effing get it. They have been fed the same effing garbage for eight years now and basically are wedded in. They are going through the same process that the people who ultimately elected Adolf Hitler, Chancellor of Germany, and then of course the Reichstag fire where he had to take the normal Chancellor powers and then suddenly, well, there is a danger now. The communists have just burned down the Reichstag. We have to really go into emergency mode and it was emergency mode until his suicide. 
and the deaths of, of millions of Europeans and, and how many hundreds of thousands of Americans. No, 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 I'm sorry. If you're Republican, please turn this off now. Don't listen. Do not learn from history. Do not learn a damn thing. Do not understand anything. Do not take this in as being something that is necessary for you. Simply stay within your cult status with Donald. That's all you have to do. Don't worry about anything else. You've been fed this, you like the flavor, stay with it, because you're gonna get a hell of a lot more. Two nights ago, it's amazing how, how these things seem to be, uh, Nicole Wallace, uh, by the way, on MSNBC, I, I think one of the best commentators uh, on TV. Prepared, thoughtful, very, very insightful. Uh, no, no BS, but but it's it's there. She she she's telling you facts and truth, and she's giving you reasons. And the people that she has on the show are unimpeachable in terms of their information, their sources, especially her legal people. I mean, she has. My, my goodness, uh, Neil Katyal, who was the former, uh, former, uh, I guess he was an acting solicitor general or a co-solicitor general under Obama. Andrew Weissman, who was brilliant, former uh, lead counsel under the, uh, I guess, the um, Mueller investigation. Uh, oh, Tim, oh, Tim Heafy, he's there constantly. He was, the he, he was the head counsel for the January 6th committee. All these things that are unspeakable, that of which we shall not speak, that which we are not allowed to review, that which we can't talk about if we are within the cult of Donald. All that stuff. And, and another lady who has joined her staff of late, brilliant, brilliant legal mind, brilliant background, Lisa Rubin, I don't know if, you, if, you've, if you've run across her yet, please read what she has to say, see if you come, and, and, and see if you agree with what I, that, that, that she is so, she is a, she has, she can get, she's in the weeds, she knows exactly how the judicial, how the criminal judicial system plays out to the point of distraction. She can tell you what a move on this side means, how it will change the procedure on the other side, how the prosecution does this, the defense, why from the bench this order was given, what the implications are from time, from, from, from per perspective of one or the other, from where the balance of, uh, of, 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 uh, of likely outcome goes based on what she's seeing. And, and it's, it's uh, as an attorney, it, it's, it's really thrilling to listen to this woman, to hear someone that well-versed tell you what's going on. This is two nights ago. So today is March 1st. So this was, I guess this is the, is it the 29th or the 28th? No, maybe it was, yeah, it was the 28th, 28th of February. This is Friday, and so this was Wednesday is when, was when we heard this. And on air, again, they got, just, you know, breaking news. A lot of times, a lot of news networks use the term breaking news, and it's whatever the hell it is, and it's breaking 25,000 more times every time another commentator comes on. But this was literally breaking news. And the breaking news had come out of the Supreme Court that they would, in fact, hear the case that basically had been decided twice already on the appeals level, federal appeals level going up, that was being brought by Donald's attorneys, 
saying that he had executive immunity for everything and anything that he did while, while president. And the implication being that even if you had committed a criminal act, well, and, and, and if you, and well, you, 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 can't, you can't hamper me because as president, you got to be able to do things that just aren't so nice all the time. But if you, if you say that a, pre, that a president doesn't have 100% executive immunity and you say that he's actually capable of committing a crime, well, you've just completely strangled the office of the president, argues Donald and his counselors. And it, it, and it, you know, it's one of those arguments that doesn't even sound good when you say it angry. It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, if, if you could put your brain in that mindset of, yeah, yeah, you got to be able to, yeah, you got to be able to kill people, have people murdered. You have to be able, yeah, that's what president, yes, there are wars. Yes, there are reasons why people are lose their lives based on decisions made from the White House. Then there are criminal acts performed by individuals. And there is this clear, bright, sharp red line between that which must be done within the context and that which is done within the context of the office of the presidency and personal acts of criminality, which cannot just be tucked away because, well, I happen to have been president of the United States at the time, so I could go out and kill somebody, I could commit all, I, I could run an insurrection while I'm at it, and you can't touch me. I'm the president. You start touching me for that stuff. Well, you ruin the ability of the office of the president to bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. Now, to slow down the cases, nothing but an attempt to slow down the cases going before the court, the criminal cases, the federal criminal cases, in particular the one involving uh, January 6th that Jack Smith has, was originally supposed to start this month. No way. Then it was going to be May. Now it's, well, let me continue the story. What Nicole Wallace announces as breaking news is that the Supreme Court has said it will take up this case of presidential immunity. It's been decided twice on the lower levels, on the, on the, on the district and then the appeals level of the Court of Appeals on its way up if it's going to go to the Supreme Court. Back in... Back in, in, in 2023, I think it was in November or December, Jack Smith, anticipating what the Trump side was going to try to do to basically slow this down, slow walk it, run out the clock so there was no way in hell the, at least the main, the main case against Trump, or, you know, and that being the, uh, the, the insurrection case, the big one that Jack Smith had, only four counts, and it would have been, and, and, and it's, it's a slam dunk. I mean, Mar-a-Lago is a slam dunk. Uh, any one of the cases against him is a slam dunk. But this one in particular. All you want to do here, if you're on Donald's side, is run out the goddamn clock. Because this way, by the time the election comes, you have no verdict. And you can keep arguing the entire time it's a witch hunt. Even if you're forced to be in court every day, which he will be. But, but be that as it may... 
you, you at least don't have a final decision coming at least on the Jack Smith stuff. And Jack Smith said back in, in, in November or early December, let, Supreme Court, he made, an, he made a petition to the court, look, this is coming to you one way or the other. Let's leapfrog the decisions of the lower courts. You can do this. You have the right to do this. They absolutely do. And take it now. Decide it now. Get it out of the way so that we basically can go forward with this. The court, no. The court lets the lower courts go through it. The case is extensively, extensively briefed. All sort, every argument on every, well, no. On the, on the Trump side, it's all the political arguments because there are no legal arguments. There's none. The Constitution does not grant absolute immunity, nor should it ever, nor would everyone, anyone in their right mind imagine that there is a constitutional grant of absolute immunity to the president for his personal criminal actions while in office. That's ridiculous. It's not there. It flies in the face of everything that a democracy is. You just can't, you can't run a democracy like that. Oh, but that's not important to Trump. That's not what he's going for. And it, and, it, and it fails, obviously, the argument fails in the first trial. Goes up, the Trump people appeal it again to the next, to the appellate division of the, of the Supreme Court going up the ladder. The last step before the Supreme Court might take it. And that case fails miserably. There's just nothing there. Uh, I think some of the same lawyers were on the team, the Trump team, certainly on the, uh, on, on the government side. You had Jack Smith and his team. They've got this thing nailed. Now, at that point, when you get it through the federal appeals court, and you've briefed and rebriefed this case and re-argued it two times, and everything you can wring out of it has been wrung out of it. That's it. There's nothing more to be decided. Every legal mind that I've heard on all sides, to be honest with you, if you want to talk to somebody on the sly and they don't want to be on air or something, but everybody knows there is no blanket protection to Donald Trump for any criminal acts he may be performing. The, the, the court doesn't have to decide if any one particular act was criminal. It doesn't have to decide that. It can decide, it can decide that there were criminal acts committed. There's a likelihood of criminality. That's already been decided by a federal court. Or it could just shut its mouth. We're talking about the Supreme Court. Shut up, say, this has been decided by the appellate court. There's nothing for us to re-decide. We would be looking at the exact same briefing, the exact same material. We would come to the exact same conclusion. By all rights, what we should be doing is saying non-cert. We should should not grant certiorari to this. There's nothing, no reason to do it. But if we were to do it, if we were to grant certiorari, we knowing what the reason, what 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 the what the defense's process is here to slow walk this thing, to keep this thing out of the courts and, and away from a decision, so that the voters of the country cannot would never know in advance whether or not by official means, by, by, by decision of a, of a truly straight-out judicial body. They know it from two courts below us. They know it from the appeals court. They know it from the, from the final court, uh, from both courts on the way up to the Supreme Court. But nothing, nothing, you know, nothing says nothing like a Supreme Court decision. Now, okay, 
everyone is saying, no, there's no way in hell. They're not going to take it. That, that would, that, you know, it would be such a blatantly obvious effort to just slow it down. Anyone who's read the decisions, I have, there is, there is, they are so crystal clear and crisp. There's nothing. The defense has nothing. The notion that suddenly the defense is going to come up with this brilliant set of arguments now before the Supreme Court that they, that they, that they, no one had conceived of before and they are going to be so overwhelming and it's based on errors that were made at the appellate it's non-existent. From a legal perspective, it's non-existent. But, again, if the Supreme Court were going to take this case, they could have taken it, they could have gotten this going back in November or early December. It's, it's March 1st, okay? And if they're going to, and, and, and so shame on them for even imagining taking it if you're not going to take it when you have the ability to leapfrog everybody and it's within your rules to do it. And you're not offending anyone in the Trump sphere except that you're bringing justice in a quick and positive way. You are ultimately doing what, you're, what you should be doing. No, they refuse to do that. While we're on air two nights ago, there's a breaking news. The court will take the case, and they will hear the arguments. It will be a case. They will take it as a case beginning on April 23rd. April 23rd. They will take a look at it and hear arguments. It should take several days. No no, no one's name on it, no one in the court, no, it doesn't say, you know, brilliant jurist Clarence Thomas, the worst piece of garbage to ever sit on the court. It doesn't say Amy Comet Barrett, it doesn't say Chief Justice Robert, it, no one, none of, none of the conservative names, it doesn't have to. The court simply says we will, certiorari is being granted here to this case. And we are going to take it, we're going to wait for a case that has all of this importance to the American people, we are going to slow walk this thing for more than seven more weeks. Now, it's been briefed twice. Every bit of information humanly possible could be in there. Just by point of comparison, when Nixon v. Gore, uh, Nixon v. Gore, when, when Bush v. Gore was heard by the Supreme Court, Remember the whole hanging Chad thing, the 2000 election, if you were around, if you remember any of this. The court heard that case, brought it together, put it before it, and gave a decision within two weeks. From, from, point of, from the point of the problem to the point of giving and rendering a decision, from zero to end, from end to end, alpha to omega, was two weeks. The court can do this totally capable of it. And this was all relatively new material coming before the court. It was briefed. It was put together. We had the results of a presidential election, basically, to be determined by this. This, this, this was important. It was totally misdetermined. It was done wrong. History has paid a price since we have paid a huge price for Bush v. Gore, the, mis, the, 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 the uh, political decision that was made then. And here we are, though. Okay, let's not go back then. But they did it in two weeks. 
when they needed to do it the way it came out in the end in favor of George W. Bush, okay? Two weeks. And it had not been decided before. There were no, there were no major federal cases. It wasn't going through the appeals process. It went directly to the Supreme Court. And here, here, it's been in two courts in the federal line, decisions that are airtight, everything. It's been briefed, all the information, all the citations, everything. It's there. It's there. We'll look at this in seven weeks. And then, well, you know, we don't have to, well, no names, no names signing it. We, we don't have to come up with a decision, of course, you know, uh, right away. Uh, our, our term, the term of this court ends in, 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 was it late June, early July? We'll end our term. Usually all the, uh, you know, whatever is outstanding in the docket, whatever we haven't ruled on, that's when we'll give you our decision. They didn't say that. But if you're going to wait seven weeks for a case that has absolutely world-shattering implications, the final determination by our law showing that America is capable of making a legal determination, a criminal determination about what the, what, the, what the qualifications are, or what a guy in, that is running for the highest office in the world, what he has or has not done. Is he a criminal by American, by, by, by American jurisprudence standards? Is the guy, a, he's getting every chance possible. No, we'll slow that down seven more weeks. We could have done it in less than two. We could have done it in November or December, but we're going to slow it down another seven. Now, when do you think a court that would be, do, would be so callous and so absolutely, just blatantly uh, slow walking something for seven more weeks that is absolutely absolutely been pre-decided we know exactly where this is going i guess i guess they could they could undecide if they could say that he does have uh immunity that would be the end of judicial of, of the law in america if that were the case constitutional law would fail but there are those who would say and i think you know malcolm trumbull among them malcolm turnbull among them that american democracy has already failed that what this is about, what this election is about, and I'm beginning to, to, to be of this mindset more and more, this will be our only opportunity for how many decades, for what generation, to recapture democracy and reinstate it as the law of America before it is not possible to do that again. Yes, I remember all the times I've told you the story on air. I was afraid to, I was afraid to even suggest that, that Trump had a criminality streak in him. He was the president of the United States. All those things that we've never been able to say, things that are just so culturally repulsive to us as America. No, 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 no. The Supreme Court in slow walking, even the trial on this has said straight out, we are no longer capable. We no longer wish to. We deny all responsibility 
for even being perceived as a as a court of equal, a, 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 a credible judicial, uh, you know, mechanism, a, a, a credible judicial statements, much less the highest in the land, thus being America, the highest on the planet with more implications for what we say than any place else you can imagine. No, we no longer are that. We are an unabashedly, completely anti-democratic, pro-MAGAist, pro-Trump body, and our job is to slow it down so that the American people will not be influenced by knowing whether or not one of the two candidates is in fact a criminal under American law. Now, or you, I, I imagine you can be insane, and that would be another explanation, and say, you know, it really shouldn't matter to people whether a candidate for the presidency of the United States is an adjudicated criminal. It really shouldn't matter whether or not uh, basically he is adjudicated to have been consciously and the source of and fomenting an insurrection against the country that he is sworn to lead. It, that really shouldn't matter. You see, just the ability to choose any candidate and put him out there and lie any way you want, and, and, and it shouldn't matter that there's social media, it shouldn't matter that people are being given lies day in and day out. None of that matters. So we think, says the court, that it would be best if that doesn't influence people. People should not be influenced by whether or not Donald Trump is a certified, absolute, he's the piece of shit we all know he is. He isn't what we observed him to be. He isn't the guy who basically both created the insurrection, kept it going, refused to stop it, and has been lying about it ever since. He isn't real. None of that really matters. If, if the Republican Party, which no longer is a democratically oriented, if to, that no longer has a, a need for democracy, because like I suppose Donald told him so, and we're getting the type of people in there that basically don't care about it, feel it's a, it's a burden. Why do we have to go through democratic processes? Why do we have to try to find, uh, you, know, uh, you know, solutions for things? Why do we have to, uh, why do we have to find compromise? Why must we have progressivism a la Teddy Roosevelt, the Republican himself? No, none of that matters anymore. If the Republicans want to take a guy who might or might not be a criminal, far be it from us, says the Supreme Court of the United States, to get in their way. And in fact, we'll make sure that nothing gets in their way. We're going to string this son of a bitch case out as far as we possibly can. That's what these bastards are doing. Sorry, Supreme Court. That's what these bastards are doing right now. And as this was announced on it, not with the, what, not with the ex extraneous commentary that you're hearing from me, venting my spleen. Everybody on, on, Nicole, on the Nicole Wallace set basically is, is in shock. Can't, you could see it on people's faces. No one could believe that the court actually, A, was going to take the case. It was already decided at every level, totally briefed twice. B, was pushing it back by seven weeks. And you could see faces fall.
You could see people who had argued before the Supreme Court, people who had undying respect for that institution. You could see them just crumbling. And then Lisa Rubin finally said it. She said, I am, I, I don't know what else to say. The word she used, she says, I'm crushed. I, I, she goes, I'm, I'm, I'm so saddened. I, this is an institution that I respect. I, I look at that building. I have had undying respect for it. It's something that I, I, I believe in. That I, but as I hear what they're doing and understand the in, invariably what the implications are and invariably what they're going to do at the back end with this thing, I am crushed. <laughs> We are, this election is not about choosing democracy. Democracy has been taken from us already. We are working in an anti-democratic environment. People, wake the hell up. We are no longer wondering whether, will we choose to continue our democratic experiment? No, that experiment has ceased. For all intents and purposes, we are no longer working under democratic rules and regulations. We are no longer working under the constitutional dictates that say, basically, you have to do things in a fair and constitutional manner. The, our own Supreme Court has found a way to circumvent that in the name of its political orientation on behalf of the Donald. Why? I, I, God help us. Why the Supreme Court of the United States feels that this is how, I, yes, three, three justices chosen by Donald, yeah, all of that, of course, is there. But the court has given up being the court. So the Supreme Court can no longer be trusted. That, that is flat out, I'm saying it to anyone who's willing to listen, you can't trust the Supreme Court. Now, the implications of that, depending on if they come down with something that you like or don't like, are ridiculous. But if you can't trust them, that's what happens. You can't, one side or the other may be arguing it, but if you had a trustworthy court, if you believe that their decisions are fundamentally based in law, but once you start with taking away Roe v. Wade, once you start with the Dodd decision, that's it. No more sorry decisis, no more 50-year precedents, nothing matters, nothing. Now, straight in your face, right in your face, we're going to slow walk Donald's decision. There is no functional Supreme Court, period, end of story. The only question is how do we try to get back, pull back, before the metastasis is final? How do we try to hold on to our democracy? What can we do at this point? And I don't care what anyone else says. Okay, you got, you got the New York criminal case coming up. He'll be convicted there. How strong the influence will be on that, I don't know. He's about to be hit with over $500 million in fines. He has to put up bonds for all of that. How strong that will be, I don't know. He'll be bitching and moaning and screaming and yelling, it's a witch hunt, they're out to get me, blah, blah, blah. He will be criminal Trump. If you're a South Carolinian, 26% of the people who were, who were basically screened after they had voted in the primary recently said, 26%, if he's convicted of a crime, I will not vote for him. Will that happen? Will that work? 
I don't care who you are, I don't care where you are on the planet, you must now decide, not just for America, but for wherever else you may be, if you want the global order to succeed in some reasonable form that's recognizable, the way we've been doing things, oh, since the Second World War, that has kept, that has built up nations, that has gotten everybody where they are in the good places that, not, that the vast majority of us are in and can at least move in, the, in a better direction. If you care about that, keep this man out of the White House. Do whatever you can within the context of your own city, state, country, wherever you are, whatever you can do in an appropriate way. Legal, let's keep this stuff legal, people, because that comes back and bites you also. Don't think, don't think terrible things. Do it right. Get the, the sound of everyone's voice. Planetary must be out there. There must be a planetary scream for don't let America go down the effing tubes. Please. I'm, I'm, I'm quite serious about this. This is not cute. This is not loving. We are on the brink. Okay? I'm sure David's going to have a hell of a lot more to say about this in a few minutes. And I'm going to try to take a deep breath and before he starts. A little jazz.
This is Richard Gazer. You know, it takes lots of time and effort and all kinds of resources to produce the kind of quality program we produce here at Center Left Radio. And it costs money to do it. Now, if we screamed a little louder or thought a little less about what we were saying, we could probably get a few advertisers to pay us to sell their products to a more tribally predictable audience. But that's not who we are or who you are. You come to Center Left Radio for non-commercial, thoughtful commentary. You're looking for an honest, progressive approach to solving America's problems, not exacerbating them. And we're committed to providing all of that. We're one of the few stations offering full-time, non-commercial, progressive programming. And we're the only station, the only one, doing it with a combination of hope, politics, and that most eloquent of all original American art forms, jazz. Center Left Radio has been here for more than seven consecutive years and more than 800 individual episodes. 800. Think of that. We support your needs. Now we're asking you to support ours. Take a moment and go to our website, www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com, and go to the donate page. And when you get there, Give whatever you can on a one-time or maybe a recurring basis, $5, $10, $1,000, whatever you can contribute to make Center Left Radio's unique progressive voice stronger and even more significant as the full extent of the wrongdoing of Donald Trump and his associates becomes all the more evident. And as we enter this final consequences stage of the Trump saga. Yeah, you know what's at stake. And I know, we all know, we can count on you. On behalf of all of us at Center Left Radio, thank you. You're listening to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. And you're listening to us on the web at www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com. David, straight into it. What's on your mind? Uh, well, there's a lot, man. If you want to hear more, you can follow me on Twitter at Faces Ideas. No, um, uh, let, let's just start with just just the shutdown again. Um, yeah, yeah, th- yeah. Next week is shutdown week. The week after is shutdown week. Every week is shutdown week. Right. Um, what, like, what, what, what what did we buy? We bought a week with the uh, with the legislation, something like that. Well, because they're they're doing like bits and pieces for for a week, but. Yeah. Honestly, yeah, they're not. It, it's time to start exacting a pound of flesh. Like, yeah, yeah. I understand. You, you was, you, by the way, listeners, David was saying this last week, and he said it many times before. This is not a new concept. It, it there's no way that like if you flip the tables, the Republicans wouldn't just do this for a pound of flesh. They try to do this with the debt ceiling. Do it with this. It, at the very least, put in the Ukraine aid. Because it's not like he's going to say, oh, no, we can't do this. It's like, well, you can't do it without the Democrats anyway. Uh, like half of your party voted against it. Put the Ukraine aid in or put in, I don't know what else. It doesn't matter. Something um, something that is morally reasonable, you know, okay, and appropriate to all sides. Maybe bring back the, uh, <laughs> I don't know, bring back the border bill that, that should have been there. But that's, well, no, you know, what? no. Do not do that. 
Ah, do you not do that? I was saying it because, flippantly, but go ahead if you want to make the point. Yeah, okay. Yeah, uh, because I'll get to, I'll get to the border bill in a minute. Okay, but, okay, um, fine. Yeah, yeah. It's you put the Ukraine aid in, or or some type of tax cut, or a tax cut for the regular people, like a child tax credit, or some type of tax, right? Just something. Yeah. Like make them pay for it, because you know they it's a must pass bill. They don't have any other choice. It, the Ukraine aid seems like the easiest thing that would pass everything, including the Senate, which. Mitch McConnell is stepping down. Um, he should be remembered as one of the worst people in American history. Yeah, longest um, longest tenure uh, at the top and one of the worst people that, that you can— Everything that he did is all coming to roost, and, and, the, and the fruits of his labors will all be on display by the time he leaves, which is, which is interesting. Uh, yeah, there's nobody more responsible for the— insanity on the Supreme Court than Mitch McConnell. There is nobody more responsible for Donald Trump than Mitch McConnell. There is nobody um, just just a generation of destruction in his wake. Just, yeah. And it yeah. is infinitely frustrating that there was no counterbalance on the other side for him. That there was no Mitch McConnell for just even liberalism, not even just leftism just somebody who was as ruthless and effective as he was like could you imagine how how much of a different world and a better country we would have had go back to if, go back to good bush v gore go back to 2000 you can you can just go through all the steps that have led us to where we are today you can find out i get there's there's blame for everybody but the but the perpetrator the perpetrator in chief all the way down the line i could not agree with you more mitch mcconnell um, and now the the bad thing is, um, who knows what wackadoodle is going to solve, which is going to be him. Because yeah. the the thing is, this is kind of similar to the um, the speaker vote. the The next options are just worse. Like not in the way that McConnell was bad, where he was an effective legislator and stuff. They're just going to be like insane. Just like Rick Scott could be it. Um, and that would just be just a disaster. Like there would scary. be no, yeah, very scary. Yeah. There would be like no normalcy um, in any in any functioning of the the government. Um, which, speaking of, let's just very toughly quickly talk about the Supreme Court because it, the idea that they're taking up this case in itself is just insane. Yeah. The, the the idea that they're going to say anything but he doesn't have immunity is so ridiculous because let, let's be clear about what they're basically saying, that the president is above the law. So right. a president who is above the law is a current president who is not the one that they're, they're saying is above the law. So therefore, that means that said president could – by the admission of the president who is currently saying that uh, he has the ability to be above the law, assassinate Trump, the Supreme Court, literally anybody. Like, he doesn't have to follow oh, whatever that's right. they say. You know, you know I, never, I never thought it out to that sick and, uh, to that sick and extreme. Yeah, that's right. If, if, if basically they're going to rule against what the two lower courts on the appellate chain have already said with the most— exquisite briefs in the world that I've ever read, and there's nowhere else to go on this, if they decide they want to change that, then basically Joe Biden can go ahead and uh, solve a number of problems in this country any way he wants. Yeah. It, it, if he is lawless, 
Yeah. Because you've yeah, decided yeah, he's above yeah. the law. Then you have no power. So if they're not going to decide that, then they're just wasting everybody's time in order Which, to make and, part and of doing the it happen. and doing it glaringly, openly, obviously, compellingly, not hiding it from anybody, doing it in a totally brazen political manner, and they're not even attempting to look like that there's any other rationale to doing it the way they're doing, waiting seven or eight weeks between the time they announced they're finally going to take it. They could have announced two months earlier, and then finally then, and like everybody knows, oh, they're going to quickly come out with the decision. No, they'll wait till the end of the year. That's what Donald wants them to do. And they're doing everything that Donald wants them to do. And the court, we no longer have a Supreme Court as far as I'm concerned. And I mean that, when, and I mean when I say that, David. We no longer have a functioning Supreme Court. Very scary thought. Well, yeah, the the uh, and it's not like they can't move fast. Like when they had the ability to say that landlords could evict people, they were like all over that. That was oh, like yeah. a three week decision. Oh yeah. Um. So I, it's just, it's just a clown show, and it's and and also it is worth mentioning that like, if you really were guilt weren't guilty of all of these things, um. You wouldn't be like, yeah, I'm above the law. Your argument would just be, yeah, let's go to court and prove the facts so I can get this over with. Like, if your argument is, oh, he doesn't have time to be in the courtroom all the time. Right, of course. Stop well, trying to push all the courtroom stuff away. Well, he's about to be in the criminal case in New York, but that's another story, I'm sure. You know, we can get to that. Yeah. Um, and then also talking about uh, criminality, Hunter Biden um, sat for an interview with the uh, House Republicans. Now, Closed door hearing. Closed door hearing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, got released yesterday, and I haven't had time to look through most of it. But we should be clear about a couple of things. Um, their main premise is flawed, uh, simply because the last part is just incorrect. That um, Joe Biden unilaterally decided to uh, pressure Shokins because he wouldn't look into Burisma when that's literally the opposite. But there's no well, well. There's no proof. There's absolutely no proof that would stand except repeating a lie over and over again. So you have to have proof when you make accusations. There is no proof of that, and let people understand that, please. Okay. Um, and it's also worth mentioning that every single person they have interviewed has either turned out to be a criminal. Um, On the republic um, that Republicans have interviewed and in support of their position. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it turned out to be a criminal, um, said the exact opposite of what they said they said, or Tony Bobolinsky, who's basically like, yeah, I love Trump so much, I'm just going to make shit up. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And and then there was that other guy who I didn't even realize was— Smirnoff, whatever his name was? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, 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 they interviewed somebody else, something with the, with the G, and I've literally never heard of this person. <laughs> um, yeah, So yeah. the fact that they're like, yeah, well, Hunter Biden conflicted with a lot of other reports— well, what does that mean? Because you're conflicting with a lot of other the reports. Like, are you saying that Hunter Biden just said, yeah, I actually did all the bribes and stuff? Or is he it, – it doesn't make – I haven't gone through it yet, um, but I imagine that this should basically put it to bed. Um, I do know at one point they were, they were asking him a bunch about his addictions – and his response to Matt Gates was, hey, Matt, are you the person who you think should really be asking me these questions? <laughs> Matt Gates was like, yeah, of course I am. And also, this is on a, a different note. I look forward to uh, Jonathan Turley's uh, forthcoming article about how Lauren, Lauren Boebert has a, um, 
a uh, propensity, a family uh, genetic for crime, like he wrote um, about uh, Joe Biden. Un- unbelievable stories you're hearing about Bobert and then the husband and what he did and the kid is out there going out and he's all robbing the place blind all over the place. This is some wild, wild stories that I'm hearing about yeah. her. Um, but it's fine. She's, I don't think she's going to win in the new uh, The new district that she's anyway. running in, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, speaking of new areas, the New York uh, Dems approved a map that's like essentially the same as the previous map, which why um is so dumb um and then just very briefly before we get into some other stuff i want to talk about apac um yeah yeah. apac should be viewed in the same way that russian interference is viewed um it is not it is not a just a political pack which also you shouldn't vote for anybody who takes corporate pack money anyway um apac should be viewed as foreign interference because it's not as they claim uh going after anti-Semitism. It is a pact designed to throw up money that they believe uh, against people who they don't believe are sufficiently loyal to Israel or who criticize Israel too much. And that is their entire goal. And they don't go after people who are like actual KKK members or Nazis who are running on the right. Um, no, they're going after people who are to our coup uh, correctly calling out Israel. And it's sounds like it sounds like the Republican Party generally. Yeah. Well, yeah, but this is this is why, like, if you see a member, like, for example, in this area, um, George Latimer is taking money from APAC. Um, that's why he's running in Shabal moment. Um, the, uh, but that's that's really how it should be. Look, you should yeah. either view it as foreign interference or people who take the money should be labeled as some type of a foreign agent. Um, because it is, it's foreign interference. It's it's designed to make sure that our senators are sufficiently loyal to. Um, to Israel. Yeah, and money, it, it's, it's buying. It's buying people. And we can get it, we, we could spend, oh, about five hours on, on American political money, but that's exactly, what you're describing is exactly the problem. All right, and then the, um, let's let's just talk about some other stuff. So I want to talk about, about the border. He needs to stop talking about this border bill. Like, yeah, it makes sense for him to say, well, look, we tried to solve it. The border bill was a terrible bill. It was an awful bill in in every way, shape, or form. It is the most right wing bill. It did not have any pathways to citizenship. It did not have any um, uh, amnesty provisions. It did not expand. Uh, it did not solve the problem in a way that would actually solve the problem. It would have made everything worse under a potential future Republican president at any point. Like, yeah, it's easy to point out. Oh, we tried to do this, but it's a bad bill. And the more he talks about it, the more he pisses off his actual base because they realize that it's a bad bill. Um, So, yeah, talking about it like, oh, yeah, Donald Trump, you and I should work together on the border. No, you shouldn't. You should have an even better actual policy in order to deal with this, which wouldn't be that hard. All you need to do is lay out why there should be pathways to citizenship to the people who are already here. Give them access to work permits. You should expand the ability for people to claim asylum. And you should – uh, allow a, a actual pathway to claim for immigration that is that is quicker and more efficient than the current uh, mess of a program we have because we haven't updated it in like 40 years. Like that's what you have to do. Stop arguing that you're going to do it with Republicans because they don't want more. They don't want to solve the problem. No. And two, yeah. their solutions are all we're basically one new cycle away from let's shoot them all. Um, yeah, no, my, my, my point, and even with the glib remark I made earlier in the show with you, 
was that basically just using the fact that the Republicans are voted this, didn't want this. The point being, they don't want a solution, they want a problem. Yes, I agree with you. That solution was draconian, the one that would have been put through, and there are far better things, and you've just ticked off some very, very smart things that should be in a rational, rational border bill. How, tr how, how Biden decides to deal with that going forward, I don't know. Let's see, where the, let's see how that works right. out. And then the more important thing is we have to talk about Michigan, the uncommitted, and um, just his response with Israel. Ah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a problem. We need to, and it's not a messaging problem. It's it's an actions problem. They need to stop, um, you know, delaying, uh, blocking all the ceasefires in the UN. Their spokesmen need to actually, you know, have some compassion when they're talking about this stuff because they don't. They're, they're saying, like, yeah, you know, Basically, do you commit to condemn Hamas? This is all Hamas. Israel, we're not asking them to do anything differently. Uh, Israel may, you know, they're probably going to invade Rafah, which is just unbelievable. There's a good chance that they invade Lebanon as well, um, which, like, we can't be giving them weapons if they're invading Lebanon. We just can't. They're just going to spiral the, the area out of control. Um, yeah. The, the other thing, like... You can't be defending them after the, the what happened with the flower. They're starving these people, and now they're just opening fire on them when they go to get food. Like, we wouldn't allow this from Russia. We wouldn't allow it from Syria. We wouldn't allow it from, from any other country. But Israel's allowed to do it because they're allies, which is just absurd. And this is this is the other point. So he went on Seth Meyers to talk about this. And there's two things that are very important that he needs to stop doing. One, he's basically trying to do some type of Abrams Accord things where they're trying to create peace in the region without involving the Palestinian people in any way, shape, or form, which is why you ended up in the area we did. That, that's that's an insane that's an insane concept, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Which it, 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 he can't. He also can't say that they're going to do a two-state solution because the Knesset just passed a resolution saying we will never allow a two-state solution. Yeah, like yeah. You certainly can't do one with Bibi, who's like every other week when he's not saying we're going to genocide all the Palestinians, is basically saying, yeah, well, I'm never, I'm personally going to like stand in the way of a two-state solution. Um, they're going to keep building their settlements in the West Bank. Um, the aid, like just on the aid, we should not be giving them any uh, um, uh, any more uh, weaponry because they're, they're blocking it. They're blocking the aid. And this is not an exaggeration. They're literally building um, bouncy castles, having popcorn and cotton candy while they stop aid trucks from going into Gaza. This is just the civilian population. Like the fact that they have to potentially airdrop aid is because of how the Israelis and the Israeli army is acting around the situation, which, for the record, is against international law. Of course. And then um, finally, he needs to stop saying this because it doesn't make any sense, and it's an insane thing for him to be saying. He needs to stop saying if there was no Israel, Jews everywhere wouldn't be safe. Again, he's the president of the United States. There are six million Jews in this country. That is double the amount of people in Israel. For him to keep saying that the people in the country he represents are not safe because of another country's existence, if another country didn't say, is fucking insane. I do not know why he keeps saying this. I do not know what advisor keeps telling him to say this. It is an insane thing for him to say. It is not something he should keep repeating. Like, this is not, like, I, this is not what he should be throwing his presidency away for because he's, the opposition to this is real. Now, 
to be fair, the opposition to this also has to be measured. Like, you can't say, yeah, it doesn't matter what he does, we'll never vote for him. Well, then then you, you can't be taken seriously. You have to... Um, you, you do have to actually have some type of give. And yeah, I know it sucks. I wish that they had responded earlier to this. I wish there weren't 30,000 people dead. I wish there weren't... Because, like, even if this ends tomorrow, thousands of Palestinians are going to die just simply because of disease, lack of food, just the, the abject uh, um, destruction of their all their infrastructure and everything that has gone on for the past four or five months. Like, that's just going to happen. And it would have been better to have responded to this earlier. David, and, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead. And, and he's going <clears throat> to lose both of us. And it is, it is unfortunate that this may be the thing that people don't vote for him when, when he's so much clearly better than the opposition. Let me ask you something. And, and again, this is a hard question, it's, and it's, but it's your perspective. Do American Jews generally, do you believe, do you feel... American Jews share your opinion on this? I don't know. Okay. I think all right. I just without without get I know there there is certainly That's an unfair I question. I realize American that. Yeah. Jews yeah. tend to be more left-wing, so they they I think they're a little bit um more supportive anyway. I yeah. know there are yeah. certainly some very rabid right-wing Jews um and and Zionists to agree with what Israel is doing and I, I think the majority disagree with the way the uh the president responding to this and the polling bears that out. Uh, oh boy. Oh boy, oh boy. And of course, you know, the thing that you're not saying and the thing that I think is out there is that you the the, the region can take just so much of this wanton killing. Until, you know, yes, you know, Iran is making its political points and it's doing its little side thing with the Houthis basically and attacking and blah, blah, blah. And and they're going about this thing. And let's see, how can we get an advent? What what is advantageous to us short of a total war where it gets to the point where we everybody loses everything? So there's that much rationality. But, but if this keeps going the way it's going. Someone is going to find a bomb and drop it somewhere. And, and, and that's, that's the part that scares the hell out of me over here. You can push this, this thing just so long. I, do you kind of, I, I don't know how you see it, but that's, that's what I'm seeing no, also. It's like the fact that they're talking about like going into Lebanon is... It's nuts. That's insane. It's, it's absolutely crazy. All of this is just to keep BB in power. And it's not like... You know the the other options are, are better. Like God forbid Ben Gavir ends up as prime minister, um, like that would be a disaster. Yeah, 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 yeah. David, <laughs> let's see. It's March first. Uh, I I can't I can't say I can't blame it on the Ides of March, but at least we we're making it into March. We're we're coming out of February. We'll be coming back into daylight savings time very shortly, <clears throat> but nothing looks any easier up ahead. Uh, there is ugliness and stupidity and arrogance and anti-democratic uh, tendencies being flayed and flailed about every place, and uh, we're simply going to do what we can to talk about what is rational and reasonable and point out what is ill and sick and poorly conceived, and uh, we're going to continue to... Uh, 
Center Left Radio will continue to put the stories out there. David, I'm so thankful for your insight on those stories every Friday morning as we have them here. And um, all I can all I can wish everybody as we go into what looks like at least here in the Lower Hudson Valley will be a, a nice-looking, sunny day. Enjoy it. Be happy. Uh, accept the good things that we have in our lives here. Fight like hell for the stuff that we need to preserve. And uh, do it all, uh, certainly on a, on a Friday at this hour, uh, with a little more jazz. You've been listening to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and thank you once again for being part of today's show. Let's face the reality. One-third of the three major parts, one of the three major parts of our government, the judiciary, represented by the Supreme Court, is no longer functional. It is no longer operating in a democratic manner. It is no longer capable of being the decider of constitutionality. It has as much as said so in giving Trump more leeway. Can we salvage what's left of our failing democracy?